0: Okay. So so we're talking about dogs and algorithms? Is that what we're talking about today?
1: <laughs> oh yeah. yeah, I have an agenda. Dogs, oh,
2: shoot. <laughs>
1: logarithms, oh, intervention of why uh, Val's been drinking 350 gallons of coffee at a conference.
0: It was a uh, lot of coffee. I, gosh, I did the same thing. conferences, you gotta... <laughs> 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 it's so true. <laughs>
1: Welcome to Break Drink. I'm Laura. I'm Jeff. And today we're breaking some drink with friend of the pod, Valerie Haruska, friend friend who I know very well, but Jeff claims not to know. So we'll, let's break that one apart.
0: We know well via the Twitter.
2: <laughs> it's super exciting to be here. I'm fangirling real hard. They just can't see it.
1: <laughs> we have no idea why. But thank you, Val. <laughs> Val, I haven't sure? seen you for like a few years. We we ran a race together once back in my hometown.
2: We we sure did. That was really fun. We spent some uh, quality time at your house too.
1: At my parents' house. Let's let's frame that the Pasquini's. Oh, there
2: we go. Sorry, yeah. parents' house. Excuse me. My bad.
1: We had a pasta dinner pre race.
2: Yeah, we'll have to do that again sometime. Maybe we'll skip the whole like running part. We'll just eat. <coughs> No, I, that's I that's attend, why I, I run so I eat. if
0: there's no running involved. <laughs> <laughs> so I so Valerie just returned like hours ago, right? From from Colorado, the EduCause conference?
2: Yeah, my plane landed at Two fifty Eastern Standard
0: Time. I'm currently in now, Austin, Texas, attending the Double uh, the Association of American Medical Colleges conference. Yes, and then uh, Laura is in her um, palatial home office.
1: I am, and every time you two are talking about conferences, whether you're in Denver or in Austin, it sounds like it's a time warp because you lose time at conferences. I find.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, I mean, this was the best for me that I had. Austin is my favorite place to go to a conference because. Conferences in your hometown stink, right? Because mm-hmm. you can't enjoy, like, you, you don't get to go to the conference. Like, you have to commute back and forth. And it's, you don't have, like, a place to relax at or relax in. But Austin's, like, an hour and a half. So I, I don't have to fly anywhere. I can just drive up. So it's, it's easy. And it, this is our national conference. It happened to be
1: an hour and a half from home. So it's nice. Sweet. And Val, the reason you're joining yes. us is because you wanted to talk about the conference you went to. And I've been to before. The one in Denver was the EDUCAUSE one.
2: Yeah. Um, so coming in, not really knowing too much about the conference, I was just like, oh, this is going to look like student learning, student success from the IT perspective. Cool. I want to go see what this is about. Um, and it was like a whole, literally a whole new world, um, and people there were very into their technology and the cool things that they're doing on their campuses. And I think one of my favorite parts, uh, besides the free massages and the, uh, virtual reality meditation studio, um, <laughs> that's really a thing, um, I think was kind of this uh, startup pitch contest that they had there. So, these people who are just at the very beginning stages, um, maybe a little bit past the idea stage and kind of into prototype, were pitching their awesome ideas to improve student success on college campuses, and it was just super fascinating to watch. It was like a Shark Tank for Educause. So,
1: oh, this is the Startup Alley, right? <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah.
0: Were there any like non? I mean, you're a res life person, right?
2: I mean, only in title.
0: <laughs> were there other like non-specific non, uh, title people there that weren't technology people? Like, were, like, were there any other res life people or student affairs people? Uh,
2: there were, from what I could tell, um, <clears throat> there, were nobody, there were no other representatives from the student affairs side of the house.
0: Wow, what to represent?
1: Did you not meet yeah, hey, Paul I, I, or okay, okay. there's like a there's a guy Paul that does the S A I T? Uh, nope. Okay.
2: Hmm. How I big could is fail on time? my part? Sorry, should I should have eight eight tweeted thousand, introduce you? 8,000 eight eight thousand people I think were in attendance. That's rather large. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Mister Serena Williams, as I come to find out, was our closing keynote. Nice. That guy who co-founded Reddit, like, I was just like, oh, this is nice. And somebody was like, is Serena there? And I was like, like, Williams? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Clearly I'm not hip with the cool pop culture people. Yeah. <gasps> um, I will say I met some really awesome people there. Um, they had this really great idea. And I don't know if either of you have heard of it, but it's a thing called BrainGate. Have you, either of you heard of it?
1: No. No, I don't think so.
2: So before the conference started, um, Educause sent out this link where you could sign up for a brain date. And so either you as a professional or, like, some higher up who thinks they're the guru on a specific topic would, like, just throw out um, a topic. So the one I actually went to was hosted by someone from Educause, and it talked about um, – credentialing and micro, no, micro credentialing and digital badges. And so me and like three other people got together with this one person who was the, you know, expert of the group. And we just talked and shared about best practices and what people are doing on their campuses. Um, There was the option to sign up for one-on-one time. So if like somebody was talking about, uh, I guess, leading through organizational change and you want to have a one-on-one with that person, like you could sign up and do that. So it was a really, really neat concept. Uh, you know, out of eight thousand people, just create a less intimidating environment for people to learn and just share cool ideas.
0: Yeah, that is cool.
1: That's a new feature. I've never that's new with Educause. so I think that's great to break down that big crowd because it's huge. I've been a few times. Yeah,
2: yeah, it totally is huge. Um, and people suggested I go to a, like one of their kind of smaller conferences. So I think there's a teaching and learning one, but mm-hmm. um, I may try to attend. Um, we'll see. We'll see what the pro devo funds say.
0: Were you downtown Denver? Yeah. Okay. This is my this is my Denver question for you. What okay. is the what is the uh, the scooter situation like in Denver?
2: Oh gosh, no. Ugh. Well, they're there. Ugh, I can't even with those scooters. <laughs>
0: well, I I feel these scooters is an answer. To a problem that didn't
1: exist. Darwinism? (laughs) Survival of the fittest? Is this what your answer is?
0: Five companies apparently decided to do it at the exact same time.
2: Oh, me. Um, So the thing about scooters is Glacujo, the Great Lakes Association for Campus Housing Officers, uh, was here in Bloomington, Indiana. And let me tell you, those Glacujo folks, they love their scooters.
1: Well,
0: there was one one today blocking the sidewalk, so you couldn't walk down it. So I kind of tossed it to the side, and I I was—it wasn't like a violent toss. It was kind of like just like this is in my way. I need to move it. But the fact that I kind of threw it over on the ground was very therapeutic.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Um, I mean, students love to place the scooters in really fun places, like the rooftop of buildings. I mean, that's fun. Or in my buildings that I oversee, like to ride them and jump down the stairs in them. I mean, that's cool too.
1: It was the They're same great. issue with bikes, though. Like, we had bikes hanging off highways here because there was no racks <laughs> where they were, like, parked. There, there's no docks for them. So, yeah. What's the difference so between the, the scooter and bikes? It's the same.
0: So, the bikes in San Antonio, they were they were B-cycle, and they had supported the city, and they had docks. Like, you got to dock them. Like, oh, you had there to. There docks yeah. to put them in. Yeah. And so, I think we're starting to get the dockless Bikes, which I'm going to dread, dread those. But we
1: had no docks, and there was like bikes down my street, and I'm nowhere near downtown. So.
0: <clears throat> but the thing about scooters is I went to the – two weeks ago I was in Austin to see Julissa Arce, friend of the podcast, because she yes. has a new book out, and she was at the Texas Book Festival. And I was I waiting up in a part of the uh, – y'all don't to know. A top, like, kind of like a top of a little hill. Like not a steep hill, but it was a, as a slope that would go down. And the bottom of that slope, massive amounts of people, and there would be people like older people, my age, the middle aged people would kind of scooter up to the edge and stop and then this thought bubble would come above their head thinking, like, well, there's a lot of people there. And I just started writing this 30 seconds ago. Maybe I shouldn't write it in the crowd. And it was like, nah, I can do it anyway. And then you realize that, like, older people don't really have a sense of balance. And they will, like, wobble <laughs> down into these crowds. And I just thought, I'm going to see someone, like, die, like, here with a scooter.
1: So you read your phone out and I had it sideways, correct? On video?
0: No, I'm, I'm, I'm not that. I don't, I don't really care about video and things.
2: Well, one thing I noticed in Denver is you can uh, rent a Vespa. Like, there were just Vespas hanging out on the side of the road, like on the sidewalk. Of-
1: yeah, that's because they know you won't be taking it up the mountains because that won't get you up anywhere. <laughs> it's like the, the Dumb and Dumber, like up the mountain on a little bike. It seems to have replaced
0: the the rickshaw riders around Austin, though.
1: Oh, oh wait. Speaking of mountain, I think I saw an image. You were on a mountain with the snow, I the white stuff?
2: On a mountain, yes. It was... Um, it was like 10,000 feet above sea level, so that was the altitude. Because um, they
1: closed some roads yeah. off. You're in Rocky Mountain Park, right? Is that where you were?
2: Yep, yep. And they absolutely closed some trails or some roads to get to the west side, I believe, at the park. Mm-hmm. So I see east sn- side. I-
0: I guess oh, it's November
1: It's a winter so, wonderland Like I'll I'll put this picture in our show notes Because it was amazing I was like oh yeah it's winter there Where it's 75 degrees where we are
2: Oh gosh I loved every minute of it Except for when the snow like pelted my face That was not fun But everything else was kind of great
0: <laughs> Okay so so this whole podcast today started Because you said you, you used the word algorithm Way too many times I did And instead of explaining it on Twitter You're like why don't I come on the podcast So here you are
2: Tell us more. Yeah. um, So all I heard was people were like, oh, how do I, you know, tell the story of the university, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, don't you have an algorithm in place on whatever piece of software you're using that will kind of tell you all that information and tell the story of your students? And then I was talking about, like, how I wanted to create a product specifically for use in residence life. And all of my information would be because of an algorithm that I put into the software program and people were just like, huh. <laughs> and so, um, so I just kept using the word algorithm because it was just really fun to say. And I was just like, oh, that's how I tried to hang. And I think I kind of held my own in that aspect, but I really did use that word so many times within the past like week that I ever did in my entire life.
0: So So if you ever felt like like you were at a place, you would throw an algorithm in a sentence and feel fine?
2: Yeah, because why not? Oh, I'll have this drink and a side of algorithm. Yeah,
0: it's it's pretty awesome. um, Algorithm, maybe one of these pancakes.
2: I was going to
1: say, my question to that is, is your... Algorithm going to predict things or um, make decisions for you or yeah, what what kind of algorithm were you thinking about?
2: Um, it's going to be predictive, so adaptive technology. Um, again, to be used in the resident's life kind of setting.
1: You want to predict incidents or? Infractions? I mean, I want to pred-
2: <laughs> If I could predict incidents, I would just quit my job right now. Um, <laughs> But, yes, um, to predict, I think, success among um, student, life, student staff members mm-hmm. and their ability to succeed in the positions that they hold as the
1: student leaders. i want to predict when my, the baseball team's going to dump, like, a bin of water down the elevator shaft again. That was my experience as a residence director at one point.
0: Every Saturday night is basically the,
1: the... <laughs> No, it's when they weren't in season. That was the issue.
0: Oh, rest of the life.
1: Were you ever in Red's life, Jeff? No. You missed out. And the out.
0: way you make it sound, I don't really feel like I miss it.
1: No, no, you missed out.
0: Yeah.
1: Now, did you get any advice you from anyone the- at the conference about your predictive algorithms, things you can do, suggestions? Because there's lots of like app makers, developers, web development, and companies there. So is there anything you found that could help your idea?
2: There were uh, some companies that I was like, "Huh, if I partnered with you to create this product, but I don't know I got some like good words of advice. I think um definitely talking to some people in the field ha- has kind of helped and helped me flush out my ideas just a little bit more. Um, some folks encouraged me to kind of go to these like beginning entrepreneurial site to figure out what exactly I want to do and what I need and things like that and maybe get some seed money, um, which would be really cool because then I could really quit my job and go be my own entrepreneur. Um, but, yeah, you know, I I like to borrow ideas from the acad- academic advising folks because some people are doing some really cool things out there. Um I went to a presentation from the good folks at the University of Florida, and they talked about how they, as instructional designers, put together uh, the first year engineering orientation session through some different modules. And I'm sure they have some predictive things on the back end that they just weren't sharing.
1: Friends of the Pod, uh, Kelvin from Topcast Now, it's another podcast, is the University of Central Florida's um, distance learning. Area and they have a podcast, so they 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 have a few things they talk about in their pod we'll link that might give you some ideas on how they're measuring. yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, that would be awesome because I think right now, um, I think in residence life, it, at least and again, this is my scope, is that you know how we hire I, i'm I'm reading a lot about human performance technology, which is why my brain is kind of in this frame. You know, we hire, but we do probably a not so good job of evaluating or like using the information we have to make people better or predict their actions or things like that. So I'm just trying to make the world a better place. I really am (laughs) one RA at a time.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Talent development's hard in higher Mm -hmm. ed. That's something that's kind of what I study is performance and talent um, and stuff. So I think Honestly, my first start of it was in Residence Life, and I found the same thing, like, how can we improve the skills and experiences and the, the work we're doing with just the staff to get started with? I agree with you. Yeah. It,
2: yeah,
0: sure. It, I think it's because ed has such a narrow view of, like, what it meant to be successful, right? Like, if you look at tenure, like, there was a time that, like, like quality of teaching did not matter one bit to be a faculty member, and a tier one institution as long as you're pulling in some grants and doing some publications, right? Mm-hmm. And so, sure. so there was a very narrow view of what it meant to be a quality faculty member, and and teaching was not one of those things. I think it's I think it's changed over time. I think that's, you know, if they, if they look at service to institution or if they look at uh, you know teaching review, teaching surveys, reviews, it's they are. I my opinion is they seem to be taking in more a holistic view of a faculty member, but they're not really looking at a lot of ways to develop talent around their like new hires necessarily as long as they can do like research and some publications
1: yeah, and I like their idea of development, Val, but one pro tip, um, as a former advisor who wanted to take the idea of Tinder for decision making and make it into majors yep. as an application, um, I couldn't ever own it, the intellectual property as a staff member at a university. So if you mm. make something at your mm-hmm. place, they will probably own it, unless you have a... The IP negotiated before uh, the intellectual property, or you partner with someone who does that. So, heads up just on right. that before you do your work.
2: Uh, thanks for looking out. Yeah. I appreciate the pro tip. Yeah. And that's a pro tip for anyone, too, listening. Because you have, like, what, 5,000 uh, listeners? I'm sure you do. You probably no. have more than professional reputations this side ever had. No. We only had, like, two.
0: Well, well I was one of them.
1: Exactly. Can you tell our <laughs> listeners what professional reputation society is, cause, so they know and they um, can find it?
2: Oh my gosh! Well, you can. <laughs> it was uh, the Brainchild podcast of both myself and Matt Bloomingdale, who works out of Georgia Tech. Um, and we just decided we wanted to have a podcast about higher ed and student affairs and really just talk about whatever we wanted to. It wasn't anything mind blowing. It was really like, I think, uh, someone once described it as just having Matt and Bell in your kitchen, drinking a cup of coffee and asking like really ridiculous questions. And it was just such a fun time. And you can find our old episodes on iTunes at Professional Reputation Society. um, so yeah, it was a really fun show. We actually did record an episode in July of 2017 and we, all we did was talk about Star Wars and we were both in Seattle at Akua Ai, which is our national housing conference. Um, but that never got posted, so it's in, you know, somewhere. The lost episode. Pro. <laughs> we, we have a few lost episodes. The last Jedi episode. We, I remember we did a Thanksgiving one with uh, Mallor- Mallory Brower over there and it never got posted. It was so sad because it was really fun.
0: <laughs> so did it did it become just too much to do?
2: Um, I think it was just time got away from us. I um, I think I was probably moving. I think i had already moved. No, I'd already moved, and I think it just just kind of fizzled out. But I would love to bring it back. So Matt, if you're listening, <laughs> please bring it back. Let's go. I have lots of I have lots of good
1: stuff for that show. Yeah, and it lives on beyond you not producing as, as we've learned. Um, so it does take time podcasting our last episode. we were actually just talking about I was telling Jeff that I'm learning how to podcast again because it's changed so much. Yeah. And I said you have to be really committed and love editing. And Sue friend, Sue Caulfield, friend of the Pod will agree. Um, <laughs> editing is the best, the worst
2: sure, and Matt. Uh, and props to Matt; he did all of our editing. And um, yeah, because I'm not that tech savvy. yet.
0: Can, can <laughs> I give a shout out to your uh, old podcast also?
2: Yeah. Uh,
0: your your friend Cassidy. Yes. <laughs>
2: it, yes, I, Cassidy.
0: I I learned uh, from that podcast that she and I are from the same hometown. Oh, and, and we're, very cool. And we're from a hometown, like no one's ever from your town. Like it's like rural West Texas, small population. So, what's your world. hometown? San Angelo, Texas. Oh, San Angelo, that's right.
1: Yeah.
0: It is the mohair capital of the world, just so you know. Really? And it, yes. Why, you, why is that funny?
1: Oh, sorry. Okay. Sheep hair has
0: to come from somewhere. Why not there?
1: I guess. Yeah, okay. <laughs>
0: And and it is the uh, home of the lost lonely voice.
1: Oh, okay.
0: And probably some other things, but I'm just going to stop there.
1: That's really funny. Um, so you are thinking of making a comeback then? Perhaps Val, or you're begging Matt right now as a plea.
2: Um. Well, I I would just need to uh, ask Matt. Maybe mm-hmm. we could just do like a maybe once a year episode. I'm sure. We can think of enough to talk about for one episode. It's not like we ever run out of material. There is something always going on.
0: It, so. it is uh, a little bit relieving to know you can just do it whenever you want to do it and not have to do it every week or every whatever. Yeah.
1: yeah. That's why Jeff talks to me yeah. now. He knows that I don't have to be on the schedule. We <laughs> just meet when like <laughs> someone DMs us or sends a message on Twitter and saying, hey, we want to talk. And we're like, yeah, sure, okay.
2: This is very just like, okay, we'll meet on Monday. Cool. Awesome.
0: Can I jump, jump back to edgy calls really quickly? Yes. Uh, um, so is this going to be your, like, normal, like, go-to conference? Will you still go to kuhu or will you still go to ACPA or NASPA?
2: No, I'm done with student affairs. They don't have massages or uh, virtual reality <laughs> meditations. Sorry. <laughs> oh, and they don't have, like, 800 gallons of coffee. I'm sorry. <laughs> that is... Or for drink tickets. Uh, I was gonna
1: say happy hours, yeah. That are with, with tickets included.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um it it was simply amazing the amount of money that this conference brings in from these like com- from these companies. I mean, just walking through the exhibitor hall, it's like bam. And they had this really cool like um artist. If you would write down like they asked the question, what's the future of higher end? You wrote like on this sheet of paper and gave it to this designer and she just drew it out for you. So it was really cool. Um, really engaging to see what people were thinking. So yeah, lots of really big names. Um, and so they sponsored a lot, including the 800 gallons of coffee that was served. Yep. Yep.
1: Yeah, Val and I were having a a side conversation about this conference, and she was asking about a couple others. And I think the Educause Learning Initiatives, the smaller version I mentioned to you, but um, Mm -hmm. that and the Online Learning Consortium has a couple of those. Um, Those were my home conferences for my program and structural design and technology and things like that. So it's interesting to branch out and go to different conferences other than your kind of status quo one that you either have to go to or want to go to. Because I think you do learn a bit from peers and other domains.
2: Oh, sure. It was really interesting to see how um, tech people or anybody involved in tech, I shouldn't just say, you know, everybody who's like their CIO, but, you know, instructional designers, academic advisors, how everybody defines student success so differently. Mm-hmm. Um, but there has to be some commonality. And I i put out there on the Twitterverse. I was like, who wants to submit a proposal? Like, let's look at uh, – student success through a tech lens versus student success through a more student life lens. And mm-hmm. let's see what we can come up with because there are similarities we're just looking at it through a whole different way.
0: And I think, it's good to ha- I think it's good for them, for you to be there, right? So it's good for them to learn from you at those conferences too. And so you're providing a different perspective than everyone else in these sessions.
2: Sure. Um, you know, I went to a session in the top 10 technology issues of 2018, or I guess they are talking about 2019 already, um, and one of them was student retention, and someone was up there, and I believe she was actually from IU, and she was like, you know, students who live on campus uh, persist than students who don't live on campus. And I was just like, as the sole red life person who's probably here, like, the only one. I'm happy to talk to anyone. Nobody humored me in the conversation, but that's okay. Um, just put myself out there. I, I think sometimes um, they're like, ooh, what is this red light person doing here? But I was okay with it. I was just like, yeah, I'd love to talk to you about what I'm thinking and how you know technology plays a role in what I do. Um, there are definitely some processes that could use a little technology <laughs> boost, So. You know, I'm, I don't hold the purse strings, but I can sure do some convincing if I have to.
1: Yeah, because it's not actually the choose. tech. It's like the design of your work, whether it's design yep. of a program, design of a workflow, design of a practice or teaching. Like, that's really what it is. The tech's part of the medium, but it's really what are you going to do with it and what's the purpose?
2: Right, because it's like, you know, if you you buy this gazillion piece of software, but you don't actually know how to implement it, then what's the point in having the piece of software? So. Yeah, maybe one day I'll make magic happen. <laughs> who,
0: who are the key, Who are the so. keynote speakers to this conference?
2: Oh gosh, um, so there was a woman from NPR, formerly of NPR, um, um, but Michelle. now she's doing. Yes, Michelle. Mm-hmm. She was very good. I really enjoyed hearing um, what she's doing. Um, and Michelle Norris, Serena Williams. I think it is that's right. Yes. Yeah. But, and she was so great. Um, her speech was about the Race Card Project, um, which is her program that she started because she wanted to get a pers- America's perspective on race. And it's the story she told from all the postcards she received back. They're archived, and you can go to uh, the Race Card Project, and they should be up there. Um, it's just really interesting and fascinating to see what people wrote in. Um, and then, of course, Mr. Serena Williams. I forget his actual name. <laughs> Alexis Oh, There you yeah. go. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you know, he did um, favorite a tweet of mine, so I feel like he's going to be my investor, my angel investor in my product.
0: Why, why not? Yeah. Plant the
2: seed. Yeah, because he's literally contractually obligated now because he likes a tweet of mine. Um, <laughs> he's a, he's inspired me to learn how to code, even if it's, like, very basic like coding skills, I'm at least inspired to go and seek out some education on that.
1: Good. So. I could tell you have a fun okay. resource if you want to get started um, that's open sure. source what, and free. What is? Um, the librarians and information science folks and other linguistics folks at my campus um, have access to, and we all do, this uh, data carpentry or software carpentry where you can learn R or Python Um, to look at and examine data, um, Git that connects to GitHub to do workflow stuff. So I can send you a link and I'll put a link in the show. But I did a two day workshop, but all of these lessons are open access online and you can kind of walk through, download these open open software platforms and then start practicing and learning how to do different things so you can walk yourself step by step. I went in person to this two day because I wanted to take the time and dedicate it and work out a couple of problems of my own, but um, you can, sometimes they host them on different campuses um, through the library or your information science or linguistics department sometimes do, does this, but uh, yeah, it's called data carpentry. So you can build your own that's, X for something. So maybe that'll that's, be
2: your thing. Yep. Very cool. Um, Mr. Serena Williams, Alexis, Alexis. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> um, he said that you know jobs of the future are going to require basic coding skills. So, with that, I'm going to encourage everyone to learn some simple coding. Okay, great. <laughs> uh,
0: so, can I share my keynote speakers at my conference? Yes. So on Monday? No, today's Monday. On the- what was that first Saturday? On Saturday, uh, my days are all mess- messed up. Uh, was uh, Dr. Angela Duckworth. Ooh. Yes. Um, She was great. Now, if you're familiar with her work, it wasn't like a ton of new stuff, but still, she was fantastic. And she did her entire speech just out in front of the stage, no lecture, no nothing, just her click in her hand. It was very impressive, her quality of speaking and the in-depth knowledge of Uh, Q&A time, because you always have Q&A time. And today was Anita Hill. Which became really relevant again. These speakers are booked uh, like months and months ago, or maybe a year ago. And so, it was interesting, um, the timing of her. And she's been doing this for 27 years still. And just, it's interesting, on day one, we had someone who was talking about Grit, and like, day whatever it is today, four, four, Like we have someone that has been displaying this for 27 years who um, was – came out of that hearing, you know, like beat up but didn't stop and for 27 years has been uh, fighting. But the coolest thing we had though, and I don't know, Laura, I don't know if you're familiar with this group, was the Dallas Street Choir. Oh, yes. A a faculty member from UT Dallas, because i have gone back to look them up, um, has started a, a choir for homeless people. And there's a church somewhere in Dallas, and they open up the doors and they have choir rehearsal, and he brought members of his choir to perform with us uh, uh, Saturday morning. and they were phenomenal and I, I donated before they walked off stage. it was It was so inspiring. It's amazing what art can do and the healing it can bring and be inspiring through, through anyone. and so um, yeah, so Dallas Street choir it was it was great, and they're traveling around. people should look them up.
1: I've heard of them. I've not um, heard them, though, live, but yeah, they've uh, had a few people talk about them. I think that's great. Um, Your speakers are all very inspiring. That's something that's neat about conferences that I I do like when there's speakers that are sharing their message, but maybe because I hear from them in different ways, I'm not always concerned about finding them at a conference, but I think... If it, they've left you with a message that's empowering you to code or yeah. have grit, I think that's great. Um, those are mm-hmm. some different and diverse speakers. I like this.
0: So this conference is really expensive. So they they do bring out uh, lots of coffee and quality speakers yeah. for the <laughs> price you pay for it. And they're not always really – like we had Doris Kearns Goodwin a couple years ago, mm-hmm. um, which was fantastic because it was the week after the election. Uh, in 2016 So they have a presidential historian Come and talk with you About what leadership is it was it was um, very timely And and so i am always been impressed By the quality of speakers they, they bring
2: um, Speaking of election day Isn't there something happening tomorrow?
0: So yes, is election, uh, election day, day eve
2: election Yeah
1: day eve. This will be posted shortly after So um, It's been nice knowing you all
0: I'm either happy or depressed. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah,
1: it's, it's 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 tight here where we are. Super close here. Yeah. You know.
2: um, I mean, if Ted Cruz loses, yet. I'm going for Oh, I've already voted? voted.
0: Okay. We have we have early voting. Oh. The first Saturday of early voting, we took our kids and went and stood in line and, and voted. Oh. We so we have already had more people. We had. Uh, 12 days of voting voting, I think. Um, So over two weeks. And we had more people vote in the early voting period than all of of the 2014 midterm elections. Mm -hmm. Um, So we've already surpassed that. We're getting close to the 2012 presidential election voting numbers. I don't think we'll be quite at 2016. But for midterm voting, the turnout has been uh, uh, significantly higher than expected. And the, the youngest demographic population has had like a five hundred percent increase of voting. Wow which makes, it, which makes awesome. up like twenty percent of the electorate. And so it's it's um, regardless regardless of the actual outcome, I'm gonna have to remind myself it's still encouraging the the um, the amount of new voters that registered for the first time, people get involved in the process for the first time. Um, we had people challenge candidates that were never challenged before. So um, it will be – but it's still interesting to see what happens tomorrow.
1: I would also say I've been really impressed by um, Vote Save America, the app, the the website that they've put out to inform people about if you're going to vote, this is what you should know. Um, It's not a biased website at all, even though some people say uh, anything from crooked media, uh, crooked.org is – uh, bias from PodSafe uh, America, but I think they did really well to like get out, register. Where do you register? What are the issues to inform people across all states? Everyone in my house that can vote has. I cannot yet, but the next one for sure. Um, what's interesting, to bring back to your logarithms, uh, Val, people in the neighborhood, and I know this when they canvass. No, no. They know whether you've, I think, voted and or uh, registered a certain way because they definitely avoided our house. Um, yes, I had a barking dog go at them, but I saw the Ted Cruz shirts walk by and they definitely avoided. Uh, they sweeped by our house once and then we saw like how they go to different neighborhoods. So they're definitely using, which I know happens when you canvass targeted um, predictors on where what no- doors you should knock on to sway. Sort of <laughs> Um, did you do you know anything about this, Jeff? So,
0: so you, you don't register for a specific party in Texas, right? And when you go to the primaries, they will ask you, "Are you voting Republican mm-hmm. or are you voting Democrat?" And so, people like me always screw it up because. Um, sometimes I will vote Republican because I want to vote against Dan Patrick as many times as possible. So I will vote for a different lieutenant governor for him then and for different lieutenant governor for him in the primary. No, there, there are a lot of like pro-education friendly people that I could vote for because that's the biggest thing I really voted for. I could vote for a Republican primary that would be helpful because whoever won their, the Democrat primary, I was going to vote for them. Um, and the, the key areas anyway. So, um, so imagine a Republican canvasser like roll up to my house with, um, uh, a, a Beto work uh, sign in the yard and a Democratic state senator sign and a Democratic uh, U.S. <laughs> congressman sign in my front yard. It was probably quite confused.
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> by, if they're basing uh, it on their lagers, okay.
0: Yeah, by what they're going to get from me. Now, those really sophisticated databases that look at, like, like race, age, um, um, ethnicity, like, do you attend church? They have all those things. I always screw those people up, too. Because they expect me to be like like i i am um'm outside of educational attainment, I am like the key tea party demographic mm-hmm. um like I go to church every sunday i'm, I'm I have leadership positions or, or involved not leadership but like in like a volunteer at, at church um you know white male mid forties Like, they expect me to be on their team, and that doesn't quite work out well for them either.
1: I was just looking to see what our last show we talked about. Was it the Trisket show and or the Pod Save Texas? Yeah, we have two episodes where we talk about Jeff's politics and politics in general, and I'll put those in the show notes for you listeners to catch up on that. Those were fun.
2: I just got this flyer in the mail now. I just checked my mail after several days of being away, and it showed my voting stats. Since I've been an Indiana resident, but I think I think they kind of lie because they said I was here in 2012, and I was like, no, I was in Massachusetts in 2012. Um, so stop shaming me, Indiana. Wait, I voted.
0: It, is that the one that gave you a grade? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. So my wife got this. It what gave, is this? It gave it gave her like a voting grade. Okay. And then it gave it graded the neighbors around us. Hmm. But, like, yeah. I did, Wait, I put, I, the, na- the names were not familiar, so I don't know if they're actually neighbors, like, on our street. Like, it was just, like, yeah. random people's names. Like, Joe Smith had so,
2: an A. So, who you vote for is secret, but whether you vote is public record. So, apparently, in 2012, I did not vote in the general election, which is a lie. I voted in Massachusetts. Mm, okay. 2014, midterm election, did not vote. Again, a lie. I voted. Um, and then my personal rating is below average. And it was like twenty sixteen general election voted, and I was just like, I. But stop wait, it. wait!
1: It's not a letter grade or a percentage. It's just like
2: poor. <laughs> yes, you get excellent, excellent, which is three stars, good, which is two stars, below average, and unknown. And I was just like, uh. So when I, I think the mix up with the twenty fourteen. I lived at a different address, so maybe that's what their mix up is. But I don't know these people. Give me my excellent star. I'm I'm I want the three star excellent rating for voting. So I'm going to uh, go vote tomorrow.
0: Well, I'll, um, Laura, can you draw three stars for her on your and then send it to her?
1: I will. I will definitely yeah. draw three stars. That I, I may see Sue logo.
0: later. To, I asked Sue to doodle something. Mm-hmm. She's she's in this conference, <laughs> and so
1: please, I will. Yeah, I'll do a three star rating for you. I'm unknown, so don't feel bad, Val. It's fine. Oh. Um, <laughs> I feel it's so, weird that voting is public like that, though. That's a weird so concept. It should,
0: yeah, so it's typically public, like if you voted or not, uh, and then in the primaries, I think you can determine what party you vote for. And so, um, the the creepiest thing is there's this Greg Abbott um, He's commercial. Creepy.
1: Oh, sorry, yeah, commercial. <laughs> Go <gone>. on, <laughs> commercial
0: that says like there's a study to see if you voted or not, but it's in this very like. A uh, creepy voice voice. T- I gotta go find this. I posted on Facebook recently.
1: So it's kind of talking about if you voted and it shames you, then essentially.
0: No, uh, it's more like Big Brother's watching. You should go vote, kind of thing.
1: Hmm. Well, we do live in a surveillance culture. Please see episodes, anything with Chris Gilliard. Also, friend of the pod, Chris, was on CBC, the Canadian Broadcast Corporation, on the Spark uh, podcast and radio show. So I was like, yeah, look at him.
2: You are being studied. A statewide study is being conducted people do or do not vote they will be analyzing public records of who turns out in the November 6th general election do your civic duty vote
1: okay first off oh who's really analyzing and researching people just like fakes and untrue <laughs> things that's not true
0: so this is this is from our governor's like go vote thing yeah inspiring Yes, which she's going to win because she doesn't have a good competition. But, like, it, that's so creepy. Totes.
1: That's pretty darn creepy. Do you kind of wish it was, like, the the dude behind the curtain in Oz instead?
0: What? Yeah. Well, like, uh, people, people do study it, but, like, the people were, like, journalists, right, and, like, mm-hmm. political science professors. Like, people actually will go and look at the percentage of people voting, and they'll look at neighborhoods. Like, they actually – Demographers or whatever, they actually will study it, but not in this, like, super creepy, we're going to come to your house and take you away if you don't vote.
1: (laughs) Yet. Don't join any registry,
0: anyone, ever. I don't know why I got, I don't know why it came to me.
1: Well, they're judging you. They're watching you. They watch you when you're sleeping. They know when you're awake. Wait, that's Santa. Never mind. (laughs) Well, Val, you don't ever have to be yeah. a stranger and use logarithms and whatnot to come on the show because we can always talk about our awesome. dogs and other fun things. Oh. And yeah.
2: Yeah. I'd
1: love it. Val and I want to know what have you named yeah. your new pup? And what kind of new pup do you have?
0: Oh, it's, um, it's a Great Pyrenees. Yeah. It weighs 104 Ooh. pounds. Yes. I, Small I have Small horse. Ro- I have a lot of lint rollers. And uh, we haven't come up with a name. I haven't, we haven't found one that's stuck. We thought about naming a ballot um, so we can say down ballot. <laughs> because sometime in a future conversation, we can talk about someone on this podcast may be a down ballot candidate for a position in the state of Texas sometime soon. But that person can't talk about it now because they haven't filed the proper paperwork. But we'll get back to that at a later time. Jackson 2020. Jackson 2020. So, so we thought about that. Like, Buddy was a really good name because he has this, like, super furry, like, you want to hug him, like, Mm. all the time, kind of, like, kind of coat. And my wife wanted to call him Ben for, like, Big Ben. Mm. And I don't know. So I've been, like, I've I've been workshopping the names. I kind of tried out for a couple of days. He's super confused. (laughs) Um, But. (laughs) But none of the names have have really uh, felt right. We went with Duncan for a little bit in honor of uh, Let's Tim. Do Lincoln.
2: it. Oh, I like it. Oh, so, I was thinking Dunkin'
0: Donuts.
2: Uh, <laughs> 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 we don't have.
0: We, it, it, we live in a Dunkin' Donut desert. Like, the, like that's not a very common thing here.
2: why I can't move to Texas.
0: We're more of a.
1: Sorry.
2: There's some. We,
1: there's not a lot.
0: Yeah, there are, I will say there are more now than there were 10 years ago.
1: Okay, that's better. So, question about your dog name. Um, You have to have two syllables, it sounds like you prefer.
0: Uh, so we had a dog. Um, our dog, which I think we've talked about, who we lost last December. We mm-hmm. had her for 10 or 11 years. Um, her her name was Joy. And it was great because yeah. it brought me a lot, of, a lot of joy when we got her. I did not think about the fact that when we go for walks, she's going to be a super protective dog and bark all the time. And I have to say, like, Joy! Down, Joy! Down, Joy! Stop! Stop, Joy! And I was like, it wasn't, like, a great name to scream, right? Um, so... Um, like, like that probably has part
1: of it not really joyful is what you're saying uh, I did hear a
0: theory on um, the Judge John Hodgman podcast that one dad when the dad thought that uh, all dog names end an O um, Rocco like Banjo Just go Banjo or something like that so I O yeah
1: Val what's your dog's name Jersey
2: Jersey that's
0: a great name for Val yeah
2: she just looked at me, and now she's going back to bed. She's like, <laughs> like, I am Yeah,
0: she's done. I don't have a. Treat. So our other dog, his name is Jut because she has one speed and it's as fast as she can go all the time. And she's just like, like is like a little speedster of a dog. And so, um, we could name this other dog C one thirty because it's significantly larger, but it doesn't really <laughs> doesn't really roll off the tongue very well.
1: <laughs> uh, it could be C for short.
0: Yeah.
1: So you're still workshopping this name, is what you're saying?
0: Uh, yeah. Okay. It, there's or a chance they've tried to name it when, since I've been gone. Except I, I feel like I've been gone a month, uh, so we'll we'll see if there's a, a
2: name for the dog when I return tomorrow. Where can people send their suggestions?
0: Yeah, uh, they can tweet me at Jeff Jackson. Send me send me the dog suggestions. Um, you can email can presi-
1: breakdrink.com. Right, drink yes. at gmail.com.
0: You can. I may not reply to that. I mean, I will I'll, reply I'll look to that. Eventually. Okay, Laura, look at it. Um, yes. So, so send them in. Maybe we'll do a survey on the on the Twitter poll. on the Twitter. Um, and my wife will say who are these people. Um, but we'll still it's it's practice. We can go through. Um, we can get some some good dog suggestions. We can post a picture. And uh and 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 gets. uh
1: Yeah, I think we some... would need a photo to get we'll put it on the Instagram as well. We'll sure. put a photo up and see what people want to workshop off that. So
2: good.
0: Sweet. Yeah, good thoughts. Good thoughts, Val.
1: Val, please come back again. Yeah. Um all oh, right. oh my gosh, this is so much fun. Let's can, see. can we have
0: Matt come on, have like a crossover show. Yes. Is that a thing? Oh my
1: gosh, that would be so rad. Yeah. Is that, let's is that do the right it. name
0: for it? Is that what you kids call it? A crossover yeah. show?
1: I guess I don't so. know. Well, they have to start again, and then we'll cross over. How's that? Yeah.
0: Yeah, I guess.
1: Um, oh, before we go, are, y- are y'all listening to anything, reading anything, watching anything fun?
0: So, for, uh, okay. So, um, reading um, mm-hmm. the Ulysses S. Grant's book by Ron Cherno. Mm. And I would say it's incredible the amount of work Ron Cherno puts out in a book, because each one of them should be a life's work. Right. And he has like the Washington book, the Hamilton book, and another great book. Uh, and also, um, simultaneously, when I need a mental break, I've started Brene Brown's Dare to Lead book, which I bought for my supervisor and for my wife also, because, yeah, because it's did, Brene Brown. How is it? Uh, it's good. And if you haven't read any of Brene Brown's other work, it's fine. Uh, she summarizes the salient points into like specific leadership Issues, Uh, yeah. So you don't have to go back and read all of of everything else um, before you get into that. If if those of you um, who would be interested in, uh, I mean, so Sue Caulfield texted me this summer that she's donating money to the Beto Work campaign, which is amazing. I mean, she was on Long Island. She's been to Texas like twice in her life, um, which was the sign to me that the like his popularity has um, really grown outside of Texas, and so um, Texas Monthly. Uh, Texas Monthly is uh, dubbed the National Magazine of Texas. Um, Has uh, a podcast (laughs) called... I know. um, I appreciate it.
1: Go big or go home.
0: uh, Has a podcast called uh, Underdog, which is specifically a Beto work podcast, and they spent some time um, traveling with with him. Um, If you want to get all the episodes, there's not too many episodes, maybe four or five. But if you want to get them all in before the election, um, start now. Or... (laughs) Go back in time. It's be um, There's been five, and there, they're going to do like a wrap up like later later this week, and so that talks a lot about the campaign. They inter- interview crews too, so it's um that's good. And that's probably all all I have for now. And besides NBA podcast, because it's basketball season
1: again. Right, right. Val, what are you listening to reading these days?
2: Oh gosh, well. You know, for reading, it is all for class. Um, I've actually had no free time to actually read a book. That's okay. Um, mm-hmm. So, Thanks. right now, I'm reading about uh, human performance technology and instructional systems design. Um, I'm actually trying to get into writing again. Um, so, keep keep that on your radars as I'm mm-hmm. coming back out with my uh, blogosphere again because I miss writing and is something I just really enjoy doing. Um, you know, I don't really watch that much TV. The only thing I really truly watch is Penn State football, and they're dead to me right now, so that's okay.
0: <laughs> so, so Valerie, the only thing I watch is the Spurs game. So, like, I, I, I get
2: uh... Yeah. <laughs> um, and what am I listening to? You know, I, it has been... I, I listened to a few podcasts today on the plane. I listened to Pod Save America and Dear Sugars. Oh my gosh, such a great podcast. Tell me about um, Dear
1: Sugars. We, we know Pod Save, but tell us about that one.
2: Yeah, um, so it's Cheryl Strait who wrote Wild and um, her and her co-host who is a licensed psychologist. Psychologists. Um, They go online. They answer people's like letters that they write in, and it's on a melange of topics. I'm so glad I got to use the word melange in there. Um, But it's mostly about uh, love, relationships, money. um, You know, how does money get in the way of relationships? Or how? Like, there was one that was called breaking up with friends, and it was just. I was like, oh my gosh, this one just it speaks to me because. You have people in your life who just take, 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 and they don't give as much as you give, and so mm-hmm. it's the time to call it quits with a friend. And so it's it's just really these people write in, and they help, like, figure out how to resolve an issue. So it's great. It's made me cry a couple times. They had one about pets. Ugh. Don't listen. It's like, <laughs> yeah, it's tough. It's rough over there, but it's a great one. So, uh, yep, dear Sugars. I believe they... Stopped podcasting but you can catch all of their episodes on itunes cool it's just it's really great
1: yeah uh i'm listening to a book because i'm now taking over listening to books like jeff uh called uh it's by, by jesse klein you'll grow out of it she's been a funny hilarious writer and talks about it's like her memoir but funny stories and vignettes and episodes of life we're about the same age Almost approaching 40. And, uh, yeah, really good book. Um, really funny lady. She used to be writing for SNL. Uh, on Amy Schumer won an uh, Emmy for and is on the show Big Mouth. Um, that's on Netflix, I think. Yeah, cartoon. Adult cartoon. Don't play it for kids. And, uh, yeah, super great book. Um, and I listened to um, a... A CBC uh, kind of – I've been running a lot of miles because I'm still running because I like to eat food um, and drink. So (laughs) I've been listening to – it's called The Shadows on CBC. It's by Caitlin Prest. She's had a few – she had a podcast called The Heart before, but it's a fictionalized um, love story. um, What is love? Modern love. And, yeah, it was really interesting and cool and got me through, like, 10 miles one day, so that was good.
0: Oh, I have one last book recommendation. Good. Uh, yeah. So if people like political fiction, I would say like political writing in general. There was the, there was a book that came out, I want to say in the 60s or um, like late 60s, early 70s. And it was supposed to be a fictionalized Texas governor um, that sounds a lot like uh, if um, – F- F- LBJ was a governor like kind of this bigger than life personality and it's like three novels in one but there's some kind of crossover characters in each of the novels the book is called The Gay Place and it's uh, the title comes from maybe a Robert Fo- Robert Frost uh, poem about finding your, your gay place this is before we, this is before the word was uh used for sexuality terms or uh, happy,
1: the happy place. Yeah. It yeah. was,
0: it was very much. A, yeah. And, and so it, it's, um, it's a, it was really fast. I don't read fiction like ever really. And so for me to enjoy it, it was saying something. Um, so it, it's, it, it's, um, so the gay place about this Texas political time in the, in the sixties. And it really was like the worst of politics, like, like favors and behind this, like,
1: Oh, so you're saying this is a read we should read after Tuesday. something?
0: Um, you know, want some time, okay. um, I might, might take a deep breath, go for a walk, okay. uh, spend time with loved ones journal and then go read it after that.
1: Um, one book I wanted to ask you about is the God save Texas. Have you heard about that book before?
0: I've, I've read it. He's
1: yes. A, mm, is it good? Should I read that?
0: Uh, it is good. um, uh, yeah, so Lawrence Wright, who's a longtime, author, uh, I mean, a uh, long-time resident of Austin, and an author, and I guess writes some for Texas Monthly and other magazines mm-hmm. and other books, um, uh, wrote um, God Save Texas, and I read it pretty soon after it came out. It is pretty great. It's I, I can't say there's like a... No, let me say it, it's okay. There's not like a like a, like a point... There's not like a, a salient point behind it. It's almost this one journalist... Uh, reflection over his time in Texas and how the, the political landscape has changed. Just really weird time here because uh, it hasn't always been this conservative. And his kind of experiences growing up in Abilene and Fort Worth, and so it was. It was. Um, yeah, you know, I. I like listening to it, but. You know, okay, it's, it's I fun. have it
1: on my to listen list. That's good now. Yeah. Okay, good. Well, uh, go forth and chill out, y'all, and enjoy your conference and coming down from your conference, Val. (laughs) Thanks.
2: This is fun. Thanks, Val. Super fun. thanks for having me.
1: Ciao,
0: ciao. Bye, y'all. Bye, y'all. Bye. You can get social and chat with us on Twitter and Instagram at BreakDrink. We'll always welcome love, questions, and more via BreakDrink at Gmail. Tell us what you want to hear while you take a break with us stay tuned for our next episode of break drink by subscribing to us via apple podcast soundcloud or stitcher if you like what you hear leave us a rating and review so others can find the pod